didn't plan that way, but that was good. I was sitting there humbling and receiving the word. Uh, we, uh, this word today, we've been going through the book of James, and um, this one today seems uh, a little more harsh than the other ones, doesn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. So at the end of this message, I'll just tell you now, where, where we end here, if you heard that last part, uh, turning your, your uh, let sorrow and deep grief, let there be sadness, uh, humble yourselves. We're, we're gonna go into a time of prayer at the end, so I'm just letting you know right now that we're gonna get into a time of, of, of humility prayer and, and just seeking the Lord together. And so that's my goal. That's where I wanna get to. But before we do that, I'll talk about this chapter because that's what we like to do here with the book of James, talk through it. So in the book of James, we have been going through it section by section and just seeing what the Lord has for us in each of the sections. And it's really naturally put together in these chunks where there's certain chunks that we go through and there's certain themes. And so this theme today really is this idea of submitting yourself under God's authority, humbling yourself under him, knowing that there are desires inside of us and things that are happening on the inside of our hearts and our minds that we wrestle with, right? We, we wrestle with some things that are going on. A lot of us, so you look around the room and you can kind of see like, oh, I think everyone's doing pretty well. But when you sit down and talk with what's going on in their hearts and their minds, and when they start to open up about things, you realize, oh man, there's a lot going on in there, isn't there? We like to kind of sit here and put on a nice little smile. And, and it's not appropriate to tell everyone everything about your life. You know, there are times that you talk to people about what's going on on the inside. What are these desires that you're having? What are these things that you're thinking? And so here we are all sitting here with certain desires and thoughts and and what's happening in our minds. But what I wanna do is I wanna think about the core desire of who you are as a human being. Like if you can just peel off layers of things in your life, where are you at the very core? Who are you at the very core? What is the core desire in your heart? And is it not God? Is it just, is God right there, the core desire of who you are? I grew up in church and I'm so thankful for my upbringing. I'm so thankful for the Lord encountering me at a very young age. And because of that, I, I often think of my relationship with the Lord as, uh, as I'm, a, I'm a child, which is what God says for us to do. Think of your, as a, have faith like a child. And so I often I'm reminded when, as I get older and have kids now, and as a father, you know, I, I still go back to that pure innocence of a child with God, that he's my father. And that's the core desire of where I am in my relationship with him is that he's my father. He loves me. He takes care of me. I don't, ha- I don't have to do anything. When I, when I take my son, we, we, we go to different places. I take him to different you know, football games and there's tens of thousands of people in the, in the swamp in Gainesville and I'm taking my son and he doesn't know where to go, right? And I've got him by my hand and, and we're going through and he just trusts in me as a father. Just, I got him. You know, I'm not gonna leave him and let him go wander around by himself with thousands of people. I've got him. I'm his father. I'm leading him. I'm guiding him. This is our relationship. Our desire that we have in our hearts should be that. He's our father. We love him. He loves us. And so Pastor Brian uses a lot of uh, different uh, obscure movie references. So I'm gonna use my obscure movie reference for the day. But I was reminded of this movie, uh, Peter Pan, Hook. That's a very underrated movie that Steven Spielberg wrote, Hook. And uh, Peter, Peter Pan here, uh, at the very beginning of the movie, he's a, he's a middle-aged man. His name is Peter Banning, but he's actually Peter Pan. But he's, at, he, he's in the middle age of his life. He has kids of his own and he kind of forgot who he was. He's a, a workaholic. He works, all, works so hard. He forgot kind of about his kids. He kind of pushes them to the side and he just works. But then he gets into a situation where Neverland and, and Captain uh, Hook goes and takes his kids and brings them back to Neverland. And then he's reminded, he has to go back. And when he goes back to Neverland, he's reminded of who he actually is. He's actually Peter Pan. And he's reminded in that moment, in such a crisis and a war-torn moment, who he is at the desire, at the core of his heart. He's actually Peter. He's not a middle-aged man working just for, for the man and working for money. He's a, he's a Peter Pan. He's the hero of the story. And he's reminded of that when he goes back and, and fights. And so I was reminded of, of just this picture there of at the core of who we are. You know, we get so busy with things in life, but what's at the core of who we are? 
who are we at the very, very center? All right, you can take that picture off. So I wanna look at James 4, one through 10. I'm gonna break it down into two sections. James 4, one through six is about this war within your heart. The what, what's happening? What is this desire, evil desire, godly desire? What, what exactly is this? So James one through six really gets at that. And then James uh, four, seven through 10 is the application part, the how. How do we suppress these evil desires? How do we live fully for God? How do we live out this core desire of wanting God, seeking God? So there's peace within your heart. So James one through six is the the what is this exactly? And then the James uh, seven through 10 there is the how do we get to this place? So there's some examples in the Bible, some outward examples of this inward conflict, this inward conflict that, you, that I wanna point out. There's a lot of them, but I'm only gonna point out about uh, four here. But there's these examples of what happens in these people's lives that they have this evil desire all of a sudden rise up in them where they see something, they take it, they indulge in it, and then there's shame. You can go to that, that slide that has those on there where they see something that they want, they take it for themselves, they indulge in it, and then there's shame. This is what happens when evil desires win. When, when evil things take over, for example, Genesis 3, right at the very beginning, we got through Genesis 1 and 2, the creation of the world, man and woman living together in a garden, wonderful atmosphere, wonderful uh, fellowship with God. They're, they're living in their core desire, fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And they're there. Oh, it's so beautiful. But then Genesis 3 happens and all of a sudden, evil desire sneaks in. These people see something that they think they want. They take it, they indulge in it, and then their shame comes over them. Right there in Genesis 3, when the, women, when the woman and the man were being tempted by evil, they, they take it, don't they? Then right after that, Genesis 4 comes in where Cain and Abel, or Cain is jealous of Abel. He sees something Abel has. Abel has this pure relationship with God and this pure desire that Abel's living out and Cain just can't have it. So he, he sees it, he takes it, he indulges in it, he kills. Shame comes over him, banishment comes over Cain and he's banished into the wilderness. Then later on, there's lots of other stories in, in, in there, but we're just hitting a couple of, of ones that maybe you're, you're familiar with or not. Joshua 7 happens, where there's a story of Achan, where Joshua and the army, they, they destroy Jericho. Boom, they, they, they do it. They're, they're living out what God has for them. They do it. But then there's this one person named Achan who decided to take some of the things that he wasn't supposed to have that were meant to be dedicated to God. He sees worth, he sees money and he takes it and he indulges in it. And then what happens to Achan? Shame comes over him and his entire family gets shamed and his entire family gets taken out and killed for what they indulged in, for what their evil desires took over in their life. And then another story, which we talked about this past summer when we went through the story of David, was David in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, he sees somebody, sees Bathsheba. And when David was actually supposed to be at war, he was supposed to be at a physical war as the king. He was not there at a physical war, but instead he was living out a war within his mind, a war within his heart. He was having a really harsh war. He probably, he would have been way better off if he was just in the physical war because that probably would have been much easier to just do that. But he was at home and he saw something and a war was happening inside of his heart and his mind, and his mind was racing, and he saw something, and he took it, and he indulged in it, and shame came over David's life. And so this is some outward examples of when this inward conflict of evil desires takes over and wins. That's the pattern here. But then James 4, 1 through 2, talks about this war. And then in 3, it says, even when you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong, you only... Uh, you want only what will give you pleasure. And so he starts talking about this prayer. And so prayer is something not where we can get our evil desires, where evil desires rise up and prayer, prayer isn't like, oh, I want this. So God, can I have this? Oh, thank you, God. No, prayer is more of a submission to God, 
Prayer lines us up with God's will while we submit under his authority. In prayer, we're so quick to offer God our own solutions to our own problems, aren't we? You know what, God? Actually, you know what would be great right now, God? If I could get this, right, God? I mean, that's good, right? God's like, you're operating out of your, your fleshly desires again. Don't do that, okay? Operate under my desires for you. Why do we think that we know what we want more than what God wants for us? Right? Your prayer should be like, God, you know what I want. My evil desires and my fleshly mind races and I think I know what I want, so I'm gonna pray for this, but my motives are all wrong. God, I don't want that. I want to be pure hearted. I want what you have for me. I want what you want for me. You know way more than what I want for myself. The things I want, you might give them to me and then re- I realize later, oh, that's not exactly what I wanted. I get it, I get it, God. Thank you for that, the humility. And so the, the solution to this inward conflict that we have is prayer. And it's this, it's the same kind of pattern here. When, when godly desires win, here's, here's what happens. We see it, you can go to that next slide there. We see something, we submit to God and peace happens. The seeing is the same, right? We're gonna see lots of things. We're seeing things all the time. So seeing isn't the problem. We're gonna see things, okay? We need, to, we need to guard what, I, what we see at times, but we're gonna see things. And when you see things, when things creep up, when temptations come, submit to God. Not take and indulge in those things, submit over and over to God. Lord, I'm submitting to you because peace is at the end of submission. But shame is at the end of taking and indulging in something sinful. What would you rather have, shame or peace? So there's two choices. When, when evil desires and when desires happen, there's, there's two choices. Submitting to evil desires equals shame. Submitting to God equals peace. And so I thought of this picture here. It's a very profound picture. You guys ready for this? Whack-a-mole, right? This is how it is. Evil desires are like the whack-a-mole. The evil desires pop up, but prayer is like the hammer. Bop, 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 no. Bob, are you not going to let these things pop up? I used to hate this game. I would take my hand and the hammer at the same time and try to. And then I'll get five friends when I had five friends. <laughs> and we would get all together. All right, you on that one, I'm on this one. Ready? Yeah, do, do, do. And we would cheat. But hey, sometimes in prayer, you need five friends to get around you and help you <laughs> submit to God's authority, right? Because we can get really silly with that way we live and we need godly friends to help us push those moles back down, right? So James 4 verse 4 is this part where James has this real prophetic warning. Now remember in James 1, he said, be quick to listen slow to get angry. He doesn't say don't get angry. And so here's James. It sounds like he's pretty angry with these listeners, right? You adulterous people. Oh my gosh. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. When the Bible says it again twice like this, it's it's meant for us to really listen to it, okay? He says it again. If you wanna be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Here's a very prophetic warning that James gives us. And you look back at the prophets of the Old Testament and you see these prophetic warnings, especially Hosea 1, 2, and 3. The book of Hosea is all about this, where the people of God are continually indulging in evil behaviors. They're seeing things, they're taking it, they're indulging in it, and shame's coming over and over and over again. There's these prophetic voices that are saying, stop it. Don't you see the outcome of your indulgence, you adulterous people? Don't you realize who you are as the people of God, the pure people of God that God has called out of the world to be pure, not like the world, but you keep indulging in the world? Why? You adulterous people. This is the voice of the the, the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures over and over and over again. And here's James stepping into that same vein of thought. What are you doing, people? Did you not learn your lesson from the prophets of long ago that when you continually indulge in the things of the world, it's not gonna end well? So it's a very, I mean, this isn't all cutesy, is it? 
This is like, you adulterous people. I mean, that's, language is harsh. But the people of God have a long history of unfaithfulness towards God. It's amazing God's faithfulness towards his people, isn't it? When you read it over and over and over again, how many times they've messed up. But what does God say? He has grace still. He has grace and long suffering for his own people. And in verse five, he says, there's a spirit that he's placed inside of us of of longing, a spirit that God has for his people that he's desiring them. Just like the core desire of our hearts is to love God, to be with God. The core desire of God's heart is to love us and to be with us. Why do you think Jesus came and died for us, his son, to show us how much he wanted us, how much he loves us. And so there's a spirit of longing that God has for us because God will not tolerate competition for his affection. God will not tolerate competition for his affection. He wants all of us because he's given all of him to us. He wants everything in our hearts. Even now, as I speak, I think there's some things that are popping up like these whack-a-moles, which I said, we'll get to prayer at the end here. There's things right now in your hearts that are popping up and you're realizing, I haven't given my full affection to God. Don't feel shamed about this because in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's freedom. And so even if you feel some things going on, that's good. You're in the right place (laughs) because God's getting a hold of us. Because in Exodus 20, verse five, at the very, the commands he gives. Here's Exodus uh, 20, verse, verse uh, five. Go to that, where it says, in the, in the 10 commandments, God says this about himself. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the priests upon their children. The entire family is affected. We saw that in Achan. Even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. Then he says it again in Deuteronomy, which is just a repetition of the law, the the law again. So he says it again in Deuteronomy that he's a jealous God. They have roused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I will provoke their anger through their foolish Gentiles. God is a jealous God. He wants all of our affection. He doesn't want us to serve any other God. Now, in the book of James, James reflects a lot on the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've seen a lot of times. And so here's Jesus, one of his teachings in Matthew 6, where he says, hey, you can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Oh man, all right. So, so what's going on in my heart? My desires are, are all whacked up. They're all, I, I need some help. Well, you're not, you're not alone. In verse six of James four, he gives even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So if you think that you can get rid of these evil desires on your own, through your own self-help or some other thing other than God, you can't. And you're gonna be proud about, I can do this, I don't need to submit, I don't wanna bow my knees to God, how foolish would I look? I don't wanna do, I could do this myself. Good luck, you're gonna get humbled. Either way, you're either gonna get humbled by yourself, getting, trying to go for those evil desires and, and stopping yourself and you're gonna get whacked down or you can submit yourself and humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm not gonna even try. I can't, I've tried before <laughs> and I've gotten stuck even worse. So I'm just gonna give it all to you right now. Do you recognize in your heart right now, do you recognize this longing that you have for God? Is it there? Is there a longing for God there? I hope so. I hope there's a longing. And you also recognize the other things that you're going on in your heart, the war, the longing for other things. You see those, don't you? And I think you're all 
smart enough to have the discernment to recognize which one's which. Oh, this is a godly desire. I'm gonna hold on to this. That other thing is a flesh. Get rid of that. And so in James 4, 7 through 10, all right, got through the, the difficult wrestling. I felt like there was, even as I'm, I'm speaking, there's wrestling happening. So what do we do now? I love, I love how James is so practical. He doesn't just leave us with, you adulterous people. <laughs> Good luck. What do we do now? <laughs> I recognize I'm an adulterous person. Help me. What do I do? Okay, James give, gives us something to do. But before we get into the seven through 10, there is a, a, a scripture in Romans that you uh, might've heard before, but this scripture goes perfectly with this, this passage in James. And it's Romans seven, where Paul is giving this inside scoop about this war going on. He says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. It's the desire of my heart to obey and submit to him and to love him. But there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And then you read Romans 8, and I love Romans 8. Go and read Romans 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, James 4, 7 through 10. So what? So what? How do we maintain a lifestyle of intimacy with, with God? How do we maintain this lifestyle where we live at the core desire of loving God? How do we get there? How? Well, learn to stay humble. Stay in this position of prayer, of submission to God. Anytime something pops up, humble yourself before the Lord. Lord, put that away. Lord, whack that thing off. Go, push it away. Stay humble in this place of prayer and humility with God. And in James 4, 7 through 10, if we humble ourselves and submit to God, there are three promises that James 4, 7 through 10 mentions. And here's the three promises that when we humble ourselves before God, when we do this, when we humble ourselves in prayer and submission to him, here's the three things that James tells us God will do. The devil will flee from you. Yes, okay. It doesn't say, hey, Try to make the devil flee from you. No, submit to God and he'll take care of the devil. We don't even need to say anything to the devil. Like, all right, God's got it. God's got it. God will draw near to you. So you submit to God, devil flees. You submit to God, God draws near to you. You're in that place of, of intimacy with God again. All right, here we are, God. This is who we are. My core desire of loving you is matching your core desire with loving me. What a wonderful place of nearness to God that we are invited into by just simply submitting to him. Devil flees, good. God draws near, yes. <laughs> and God will exalt you? <laughs> he will help? God will exalt you? What is that? I mean, while I'm doing is bowing, the devil's fleeing, Jesus is drawing near to me, and he's lifting me up. I don't have to lift myself up. He's doing that. I don't even know what that means. God will exalt me? <laughs> I'm supposed to lift his name up. Like God, what does that look like? God lifting you up. Like you'd stop lifting, trying to lift up yourself. Just let God lift you up. I don't even know what, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> so here we are. In this time of prayer, I think we've recognized, we're recognizing, even now I feel like there's an atmosphere of prayer happening in your hearts. And I just wanna enter into this time of prayer right now. We don't even need music. It doesn't matter. Let's just pray. We need God. I want there to be a, uh, a, a, a voice right now 
If you need to get up and stand, if you need to come to this altar and bow before the Lord, if you just need to close your eyes and if you need to kneel right now, I just, I want there to be a, 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 a voice that lifts up in, in together right now as we cry out to him, Lord, we're sorry. I want prayers of, of, of repentance as James 4, 7 says, uh, let there be, or uh, nine, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow, purify your hearts. Wash your hands, you sinners. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I want us to pray prayers right now where we're, we're submitting to God once again. Personally pray that, pray that together as a church. I wanna be a church that we are, we are humbled as a church congregation. Whereas in humility, we're not trying to do things where we're lifting up our own. Look how great we are at this church over here. Look what we're doing. Look at, this, look at how amazing this is. I don't wanna do that. I just wanna stay in an attitude of prayer and let God do the lifting. Let God do all that. We're just called to sit and stay humble. And so Lord, we do that right now. Let's just pray right now, whatever, in, in whatever way you wanna do it. If you wanna do it, in your, if you wanna pray out loud, let's pray a prayer right now where we're asking God to forgive us. Lord, we ask right now that you would forgive us, Lord, that you would take any evil desires that we have indulged in, Lord, and that you would cover those things with the blood of Jesus, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for the grace that you have for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you give us grace and grace and grace and even more grace, Lord. We thank you for the mercy mercy of Jesus, Lord, that you haven't just struck us down every time we sin, Lord, but you have mercy upon us. The blood of Jesus washes over us. We thank you, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, as your people, your bride, spotless bride that you've, you are coming for. Forgive us. Forgive the church as a whole, the people of God as a whole. We thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. We thank you, Lord. Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty we just need to pray that. Join with the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come as the angels with their eyes all over their body, they see how holy Jesus is and they just cry it over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. They have nothing else to say except holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Your holiness overwhelms us. Your beauty overwhelms us, Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. Thank you, Jesus that we can see you, we can look at you. We submit under your authority, King Jesus. We submit under your authority. We give our hearts to you, Lord. Any desires, Lord, that are not of you, Lord, take them away right now in Jesus' name. Take them away. Any desires that are trying to take over our hearts, take over our affection for you. Take them away right now in Jesus' name. Purify us. Let us be a pure people that as we come together and worship, there's a pure worship to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's a prayer in 2 Chronicles 7.14. I wanna pray this prayer. You can put that on the screen. 2 Chronicles 7.14. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. James is talking to believers. <laughs> He's talking to the, the church at the time. He's talking, the, the scripture is talking to us. When he says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I don't wanna be friends with the world. I don't wanna give my allegiance to anything else other than God. So let's humble ourselves once again, call upon his name, seek his face together. If my people turn from their wicked ways, I thought the world was supposed to have wicked ways. Why are God's people having wicked ways? Because they're giving in to those evil desires. I don't wanna give in to those evil desires. 
Lord, we right now in your presence say we're sorry once again. Turning, Lord, from any wicked ways that we have had, that we have, Lord. I wanna seek you together, Lord. The good things you have for us, the best things you have for us. Jesus, you have such amazing things for us. You have better things for us than we can try to have for ourselves. There's another prayer in Ephesians 3. And I had this up there and I didn't say it, but we'll say it now. Now's the time. Ephesians 3.20, where it says, God does above and beyond all that we can ask or think. What a humble prayer that is. Lord, I don't even know what you have for me. I'm I'm just gonna submit to it. God, you have something even greater. I'm not even gonna try to use words to ask for it. I'm just gonna say, do it. Do it, God. Do it in my life. He's looking for people who would submit to that out of faith, not even knowing. Is that scary to you? Kind of is, but it's also exciting. But we submit to that, Lord, that you can do it infinitely above all that we can ask or even think. We thank you, Jesus, that you lead your people with love and grace, mercy. So if you need to come up here and pray, you can. If you need to just continue praying at your seat, you can, but we're gonna sing some songs. Oh 
prayer is like a course correction. Do you ever need to be redirected and change course a little bit? Maybe you've been feeling all, all twisted up a little bit in, in the desires and in your mind, but these times of prayer that you spend with the Lord, he, He's slowly correcting us back to line up with His desires. So if you feel like you need some more course correction, spend more time in prayer. Just sit before the Lord, waiting. Oftentimes, I think we we pray too much using words instead of just praying by sitting there silently with the Lord. So I encourage you right now, as you think about your week ahead, because I know you all have been thinking about things already, about what's coming up and what you got to do and things going on this week. As you think about your schedule, put in that time in your schedule, uh, silence prayer, just sitting before the Lord in silence. It might feel uncomfortable, good. Let him correct you and, and correct some of the things that are happening in your heart. He does it so gracefully. It's so worth spending that time with him where he's just correcting, lining our desires back up with him. Psalm 37, four is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Putting yourself in the Lord's presence. He'll line up your heart's desires with his heart's desires for you. But it takes time and effort on our part to sit before him, lowering ourselves, humbling ourselves. We don't have the solutions to our problems. We need to have God correct us and show us. It's very humbling, isn't it? Because we want to solve so many things. We're going to sing one more song. So if you need to just sit there in silence, do that, or just continue to pray right now.
Father God, we just come before you. Um, after hearing a, a tough word, a, a strong word from the scriptures, Lord, and from your Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that we would take to heart, each and every one of us, our own personal need for brokenness, for humility. Lord, don't allow anything that we have done in the past, both good and bad, to stand in the way of moving toward and becoming all that you have desired for us to become. Lord, for that one who may be uh, overwhelmed with shame, Lord, we pray that uh, the warmth of your love would just shine so brightly that they would be drawn out of that darkness and drawn toward the light of yourself. Lord, we pray that for those who may have gotten stuck in or caught up in religiosity, uh, legalism, the narrowness that traps not only that individual, but Lord also traps the individuals that they pour that into. Lord, help us to have the liberty to walk freely in who you've designed us to be. Lord, be with our church. Just continue to do your work in us. Lord, we look forward to drawing near to you and seeing the enemy flee. And Lord, we look forward to being renewed in that relationship with you. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for loving us unconditionally just like we are. But Lord, thank you that you don't leave us like that. Lord, you are still working in our lives. For it's in that powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Go in peace.